this morning where we are pouring out our praise to the Lord and we're worshiping Him, but we're also going to lay out our needs before Him. Because there's folks in this room, folks joining us online, that need God to do something. I've got uh, several prayer cards that were filled out this week. We're going to pray over them. I especially want to speak to Renee in the hospital right now. Renee, uh, she's been watching us for several weeks online, and, and she needs God to do a miracle. We're going to pray for her. And if you're here and you would say, I got something going on. I didn't fill out a card, but I need God to do something. Go ahead and slip up your hand. We're going to going to lift all this stuff up to God. He's, he sees it all. He knows it all. You're not the only one, man. It's part of the human condition. We need God to do something. Let's pray. Father, we lift up all these needs before you. We need lift up Renee in the hospital right now. I pray that you would do a miracle in her body. Everyone here that's sick, Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle. For those that we love that are sick or that need you, God, I pray that you would intervene, that you would heal relationships, that you would provide financially, that you would help us uh, navigate work stuff, and stuff with our kids and our and our marriages and all of it. God, we lift it all up to you, knowing and trusting that you love us, that you care about us, and that you have plans for us. We put all this in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So uh, three friends uh, all died at the same time, and they're... They're not very smart, and they get to heaven. I'm telling you a joke, okay? So just, all right, so you're like, really? I hadn't heard. Okay, yeah, it's just a joke, right? So uh, they're not very smart. They get to heaven. One of them is my friend Pancho. We went to high school together. Sometimes I've, I've talked to you about Pancho. He's not very smart. And they get to heaven, and St. Peter, he says, you can enter the gates of heaven if you can answer one question. Okay, now this is not in the Bible either, so don't send me any emails. Okay, all right. And, and so he says, here's the question. What is Easter. And the first man says, I know. It's a holiday in November where we all gather around and we eat a lot and we're all really thankful. And St. Peter shakes his head in disgust. He says, wrong. Second guy, what is Easter? I, I know, I, it's, 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 it's a holiday in July and we have barbecues and parades and we celebrate with uh, the, the, the independence of our country. And St. Peter shakes his head. He says, no, that's wrong. And then he looks at my friend Pancho. Pancho. What is Easter? Pancho says, I know what Easter is. Easter is a Christian holiday that remembers the death, burial of Jesus Christ. And on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The stone covering his grave was rolled away and he stepped outside. And if he sees his shadow, there's six more weeks of winter. <laughs> so Easter's coming here in a few weeks and uh, here's our Easter schedule. You should have all received by now it, it, these little business card size invites with the schedule on it, our Spanish schedules on the back. Uh, we're, you, you'll see that we're adding a service on Easter Sunday at 8 o'clock in the morning. The 8 and the 9.30 service are going to be on the other end of the auditorium. It's a smaller, a little more intimate service. There's probably going to be less people there. I'll be honest with you, the 11 o'clock service is going to be bananas in here. So uh, if you would like something a little earlier and a little uh, less crowded maybe, uh, there's a couple great options for you. Have it done. Go get your, uh, do your Easter barbecue and your smash cascarones on each other's heads and do whatever you do on Easter, all right? So we're continuing our series on the last words of Jesus, and we're going to be in John chapter 19. Jesus is on the cross. He's very, very near to the end of his life. This is what John tells us. This is later knowing that everything had been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I am thirsty. 
A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So this week, we're literally looking at the last, the last literal words of Jesus on the cross, where he said, it is finished. The Greek word for it is finished, the Greek word he used is tetelestai, which means it is finished. And there was a few different uh, ways that that word was used in this culture at this time. One of them was it was used by a priest. And so if you were going to, if you wanted to ask for forgiveness of your sins at this time in the history of the Jewish nation, you would bring uh, an animal to sacrifice. If it was a, a small, small sin, relatively small sin, you'd bring like a dove. If it was a regular size sin, you'd bring a lamb. If it was a big sin, you'd bring a bull. So when people were walking up with bulls, everyone was like, whoa, you know what I mean? And so they would bring this animal and the priest would examine the animal and he would look at it and make sure that there was no spots or blemishes or defects. And if the animal was perfect, the priest would say, to tell us tei, meaning this is worthy to be sacrificed. This sacrifice is perfect. Right? So that's one of the ways that they would use that word to tell us, Dei, this is worthy to be sacrificed, the sacrifice is perfect. The second way was when a, uh, a servant was returning to their master. They had been given some kind of assignment or some kind of thing to do, and they would come back after they had finished it, and they would tell their master to tell us, Dei, meaning I have finished the work you sent me to do. That was the second way it was used. The third way was a merchant. If, if you had an invoice and you paid the invoice off, the merchant would stamp the word to telestei on the invoice, meaning the debt has been paid in full, you owe nothing more. And so on the cross, Jesus says to telestei and uses all three of these meanings. He's telling uh, the world the sacrifice is perfect. There's nothing else that needs to be added. So the perfect Lamb of God slain for our sins is proclaiming that the sacrifice was perfect. He's telling his father, I have finished the work that you sent me to do, to tell us Tei, I'm finished. And then the, he's also telling you, the debt that you owe has been paid in full. You owe nothing more. Yeah. So Jesus says all of those things in that one word, to tell us Tei, it is finished. Now, Jesus' assignment, part of his assignment, was fulfilling prophecy. So there were, there's about a thousand different prophecies in the Bible. And of those, about 300 of them, a little over 300, were about Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled all 300 of those prophecies. Let's look at uh, just eight of those. So here are just eight of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Isaiah said he would be born to a virgin. Micah said he'd be born in Bethlehem. Psalm says he would be betrayed by a friend, that people would gamble for his clothing. Isaiah says he would be crucified with criminals. Zechariah says he would be pierced for our sins. He was. His, his hands, his feet, and uh, his side were pierced. Not a bone would be broken. Psalms tells us that, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus' bones weren't broken. And then Psalm says he, that he would rise again, and he did. So, so here, what are the odds that one person could fulfill these eight prophecies? So here I have a, uh, a silver dollar, one silver dollar. And I've got nine more here in this jar. And just because of inflation, the value of this thing is just going lower and lower and lower by the second. Anyway, so I have this one silver dollar. I marked it with a red X. So if I drop this in this jar with nine others, and then I stirred it around a little bit, 
and I had you come up blindfolded and you reached in and you were trying to pull out the red X, what are the odds that you would pull out the red X? The odds are one in what? 10. One in 10, all right? So one out of 10 chance that you're gonna pull out, because there's 10 of them in there, one out of 10 chance that you're gonna pull out the red X. I didn't do it, all right? I, a few years ago, I did something like this. With, I put in like 500 quarters into a jar, and I had a kid come up. And I said, if you, if you pull out the red X, I'll give you the whole jar. And if that little pump did not, <laughs> so I don't do it anymore. <laughs> nice going, Nick. <laughs> anyway, some of you guys might remember that. Anyway, so I'm not doing that. But the odds, are, so, so what if I added 90 more, then the odds are one out of 100, right, that you would pull out the right one. So people who do uh, statistics tell us that if anything is greater than 1 in 12, then it probably wasn't by chance. It was probably happened by design. So if it was 1 out of 100, either you were really lucky or there was, it was rigged. Does that make sense? So the odds of one person completing just these eight prophecies, uh, a professor named Peter Stoner calculated it, are one in 100 quadrillion. That's the, the, the odds that one person could fulfill all of these prophecies. How many is 100 quadrillion? I have no idea. I went to Fort Lupton High School. I have no idea. But Peter Stoner figured it out for us. He said, if you got 100 quadrillion $1 coins, silver dollars, and put them in a big pile, and then you smooth that pile out so that the entire thing was two feet deep, it would cover the state of Texas. That's how many one in 100 quadrillion is. So imagine then I marked one of them with a red X, and you, I, I, you said, I said, you can go anywhere in Texas. Who's ever driven through Texas? It's awful. I mean, it's horrible. One way or the left or right, up and down, whatever. And you can go anywhere in Texas. You can go down in the valley where it's super humid, go up in the panhandle. I don't know anybody lives there. Uh, anywhere, anywhere you want. And you could pull this out. Chances are one in 100 quadrillion that you wouldn't do it, right? That you would do it. So that's Jesus. He didn't just fulfill eight prophecies. That's only eight. Jesus fulfilled 300. What are the odds of that? Oh, the, those would easily cover the entire United States. That's, so that's the work that Jesus did. So now when you place your faith in the finished, finished work of Christ, it is finished. To tell us day, your debt has been paid in full. But that's not the end of the story. That's not just, you don't just check that box and then go and live on your life. Actually, it's day one of a brand new story and a brand new plan for your life. God has other stuff to do. See, Jesus did everything his father gave him to do, but you have not. So the key idea for today is when Jesus says it is finished, he finished everything that God told him to do. But I have unfinished business. So everybody say that out loud with me. Say, I have, I have unfinished, business. unfinished business. What is your unfinished business? Well, some of you didn't even say it, so let's start with there. When the pastor in the church says to say, just say it. Like, why well, you got to be like that? All right. Anyway, sorry. Let's look at what, what God told the nation of Israel about their future and about yours. Because if you have breath in your lungs and you still have life in your body, you, my friend, have unfinished business. Look at what God tells the nation of Israel. 
That's a fairy dog. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God told them and God's telling you, I have plans for you. So when you commit your life to Christ, it's not like, cool, got out of hell free card, I'm good. God says, no, 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 no. Now I have all these plans to prosper you and to give you hope and to give you a future. God has plans. Now, but those plans involve you having unfinished business. So when we moved into this building, we, uh, we found out that it was already occupied by, um, by these guys. There were these prairie dogs, and we didn't have five or ten or even... We had hundreds of prairie dogs living here. So we called this exterminator, and he came out and very humanely gassed them to death, all right? <laughs> hundreds of them. And I know some of you are like, oh my God, that's so mean. Why did you do that? You know, you can come and adopt as many of these guys as you want. They are free. Uh, there's no adoption papers, no, but, but they're yours. Come take them, all right? The reason we did that is because, not because we're mean, but because they will burrow right up in the, against the building. They're not afraid of people. And if they do that, they carry fleas and rabies. And so it's not safe for kids to be around these prairie dogs. You know, they're, they, they're messy, and, and you get it, right? And so um, the exterminator, when he came out, he estimated that we had over 900 prairie dogs living here. So then he gassed them, and they're all gone in one day. And I felt a little bad, not going to lie, but I also felt a little happy. You know what I mean? They're gone. And then he says, if you see any survivors, let me know right away, and I'll come out and take care of them. And sure enough, I looked out there one day, and there was one. And he was standing on his burrow looking at me. And I could tell he was kind of making fun of me. He was also kind of doing that. Greeley, like, you know what I mean? He was like, let's go. Is that all you got? Right? And I knew you, I knew you wouldn't believe this, so I, I filmed it. Because he was dancing. And I don't know where the music came from, but, but I filmed this. This is what happened. This little prairie dog and I have unfinished business. So we have called the exterminator out seven or eight times. And he comes out, and he gasses him and does his thing. And then sure enough, I'll see another one of these guys stick his head up. And so someone told us, the way to get rid of these is you put bubble gum in. Have you ever heard that? You put bubble gum in their burrows, and they'll, they'll chew it, and they can't, they can't digest it. They'll die. We brought hundreds of pieces of bubble gum. We went out, dropped it in all of their burrows. Next couple days, that's what I saw. He's like, send some more of that gum. It was delicious. I have unfinished business with these prairie dogs. And many of you have unfinished business in your lives. And it might not seem like a big thing. You might say, well, it's not, it's not that big of a deal, but I know God is asking me to deal with this, this area. And compared to 900 prairie dogs, it's just one little prairie dog. But I, I can promise you that if you leave that thing alone, 
It's going to multiply and grow, and before you know it, you're going to have a full-blown problem on your hands. Look at how Jesus talks to the church. He's talking to a church, not to, not to non-believers. He's talking to the church in Sardis in the book of Revelation. This is what he's saying to a church. He says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. You have a reputation. On the outside, it looks like you're alive, but on the inside, Jesus says, you're dead. How does this apply to us? Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's your marriage. Maybe, maybe you have a reputation of having a great marriage, and people even on the outside admire it, and they say, wow, you guys have such a great marriage. You know, they say things like, relationship goals, oh my God, right? They say that about you. <laughs> but you know that on the inside, You've been holding back. There's things you need to work on. You haven't been giving it 100%. Maybe there's something going on in your marriage that nobody knows about, and God is pushing you to ask for forgiveness, to humble yourself. And that, or maybe God is saying, hey, it's time to extend forgiveness. Maybe you have some unfinished business in your marriage. Or maybe it's your finances. On the outside, people might say, well, you have a nice car. You live in a nice place. You have a beautiful purse. And, but on the inside... You know you're struggling, you're strangled, being strangled by debt, you're stressed out all the time. The only thing you're carrying in that Louis Vuitton is half a pack of Kleenex and some gum. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and you know that God is telling you to get your finances in order, to get on a budget. And maybe you have some unfinished business in your finances. Maybe it's your career. On the outside, people look at you and they say, you're successful, you're killing it, you're killing the game, you made it. I want to be like you, but on the inside... You're saying, uh, it, you, you, I'm grinding so hard. It's killing me. I wish I could take a break. I didn't know it would be like this. I have some unfinished business in my career. Jesus said, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. So what do we do? First thing, he says, wake up. In other words, don't keep doing the same thing. It's time to change. Fix it. You have unfinished business. God wants to help you complete the task. But I want you to know, you can't do it on your own. That's the gospel. Jesus help, has to help us. He wants to help us. He wants, at the end of your life, for you to be able to say, to tell us day, I, it is finished. I did everything you asked me to do. Look how the Apostle Paul puts it. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This was not just Paul's task. This is every believer's task. Paul says, compared to doing what God has asked me to do, my life is worth nothing. Does that mean Paul is depressed? Does that mean he has an unhealthy view of himself? No. He doesn't need some motivational speaker to pump him up. What he's doing is he's comparing the value of his own life to the value of doing what God asked him to do. And at the end of his life, being able to say, to tell us, stay out. It is finished. I've done everything you asked me to do. So what is your unfinished business? Maybe you would say, well, th this is my church. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sort of committed here. I mean, we come every Sunday. As long as, as long as we don't have anything going on, as long as the Broncos aren't playing, or the Broncos are playing, or the elk aren't bugling, or the elk are bugling, or it's beautiful out, or it's rainy out. We, we come, I mean, right? 
What would it look like if, if maybe your unfinished business is God is calling you to a higher level of commitment in your walk with Christ? What would it look like if you were a we don't miss church no matter what family? What would that look like? When, when my kids are growing up, uh, we would go on vacation and we would go to church on vacation. And church was my job. So it was like I was on vacation for my job going to work. I'm like, but it wasn't work. I wanted to worship God wherever I was. That's, maybe, maybe that's your unfinished business. God's calling you to a higher level of, of commitment. Maybe, maybe he's inviting you to take a step forward in your relationship with him. Maybe every time we do baptisms, your heart is stirring. You're like, man, I know I should do that. I know that's my next step. God's telling me to do that, but, but I'm embarrassed. There's a lot of people. Uh, everyone around me already thinks I'm a, a, a good Christian, and they're going to find out that I'm really lost. Let me tell you, every one of us is lost. Every one of us needs the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us. Maybe, maybe God is calling you to join a small group, to be a part of a smaller community that's growing and learning about, the, about our faith and growing in our faith. And, and maybe God's calling you to join a small group so that you can help someone else grow in their faith. Maybe that's your unfinished business. Maybe God's calling you from, to a higher level from being a consumer to being a contributor. Maybe God wants you to join a serving team and so you can start using your gifts for the body of Christ. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. I don't want to embarrass this guy, but uh, a guy's been coming to the church for a little while, and uh, we're, we're just talking, and, and I said, so what do you do? And he tells me, well, I, I, I teach at a, at a high school. Oh, cool. What do you teach? I teach, like, video production, and I used to be in charge of, like, video production at Pepsi Center and, and uh, Fiddler's Green and Red Rocks, and I was like, do you know what we do here, man? Like, yeah, you know, I just, I, yeah, I need to get involved, whatever. He's working on something for us right now. He's using his gifts that God has given him to advance the gospel of Christ. Maybe that's what God's asking you to do. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe God is saying, I want you to start tithing, taking 10% of what I've blessed you with and giving it to the work of the Lord. That's outlined in the Bible. And God says, I want to bless you, but you've got this peace in your heart where you're fighting me and wrestling with me Maybe that's your unfinished business. Maybe it's physical. Maybe God is, is, is calling you to, to take care of your body. Let me, let me give you an illustration. Imagine that I took you to a car dealership today. All right? Well, not today. It's Sunday. Tomorrow. Tomorrow I take you to a car dealership, and I say, we can go anywhere you want to go, and I'm going to buy you, I'm going to pay 100% of it, any car you want. Right? Some of you would be like, well, do they still make Ford Fiestas? Like, which is fine. So that's what you want, right? Or maybe you say, I want a Lexus or a a Tesla, or whatever it is, and I said, I'm going to buy it for you. The only, the only catch is, this is the only car you're going to own for the rest of your life. So this is it. This is the last car you're ever going to get. How many of you would take good care of that car, right? When you got to 3,000 miles, you, you changed the oil, right? When, they, when you went to the dealer and they said, you need a new cabin filter. I'm always like, yeah, right, cabin filter. But you would change the cabin filter, right? Because you want to make sure, I want this car to last a long time. God already did that. It's your body. This is the last one you're getting. So you've got to take care of it. You've got to put good things in it. You've got to exercise. God designed you to move. Maybe that's your unfinished business. To start taking seriously your health and your body. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe God is, is calling you to reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a long time and... and 
ask for forgiveness or extend forgiveness or just, just reconnect because everybody's so busy. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Maybe, maybe God wants to reach someone through you with the gospel. Maybe you're going to be that person that brings someone to the foot of the cross. So over the last few weeks, we've been praying for these names on the cross, and um, we're going to pray over them right now. These are names of people that we all know that are far from God, so we're going to pray for them. But I want to invite you to go one step further. Would you consider taking one of those little invites and giving it to that person? And just inviting them to our Easter service. Just say, hey, you know what? I don't want to be weird, but you should come visit my church. So what we try and do on Easter, just so you know, okay, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little, all right? Uh, we don't try and do anything that we don't normally do on a Sunday. We try and do a very solid, excellent, normal service. No false advertising. Uh, do you know what false advertising is when you advertise one thing but give a different one? Yeah. Like I did that when Diane and I got married. So <laughs> I was a fat kid my whole childhood, right? I was a fat little kid. I know it's hard to imagine me as a fat kid, but I was a fat kid. Then I got to be a teenager. I started working out. I was actually a competitive power lifter. So I got, your boy was jacked, all right? Your boy was jacked. That's when I met Diane. I call it my skinny window. I was in this skinny window of my life. I met her. I married her. And then your boy got chubby again. You know what I mean? Like false advertising. Like she thought she was getting something. She got something else, all right? We try not to do that here at Mosaic on Easter. So that, you know, we don't do this big production and then people come back the next week and they're like, this blows, all right? <laughs> and we can partner together. And if we'll partner together, see, see, you know people that I don't, that I could never have access to. And if you'll invite them to church, I promise I'll present the gospel in a way that makes sense to them, that doesn't embarrass them, and that brings them to the foot of the cross. And if we do that together, hundreds of people will come to Christ. So let's pray over those names right now. Father, we lift up every name on that cross and even the names that we haven't put up there yet, we've forgotten to. God, we lift them all up and we pray that somehow, some way, you would wrap your arms around them, that you would extend your love to them and that you would give us the boldness to text them, to give them an invite, to share a Facebook invite, whatever. And Lord, that you would give us the boldness to, to invite them, to bring them and to see lives changed. We put this all in your hands, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, so how do we do this? It starts with this. We've got to commit to finish. The night before Jesus died, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Bible tells us he prayed a very specific prayer. The Bible says he fell to his face, with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. We see the humanity of Jesus in this moment. where he was, The Bible says you're 100% man and 100% God same time. One of the great mysteries of the Bible. And we see his humanity here where he says, God, I don't want to do this. Like I, he knew that the pain of the crucifixion, maybe the most painful death ever, uh, was going to be excruciating. He knew the pain of being separated from his father was going to be excruciating. And he says, God, if there's any other way, can, can we do this somewhat other way? But then in the very next sentence, look what, he, look what he says. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Not what I want, but what you want. You sent me here to finish, so I'm going to finish. We see that he commits to finish between those two sentences. One hand, he says, God, if there's any other way, can we do this some other way? But not my will, your will. I'm here to the end, 
and I'm going to finish. One of my favorite stories of finishing is John Stephen Aquari. In 1968 at the Olympic Games in Mexico City, John was running in the, in the marathon race. He was running for Tanzania. He traveled there. The race started. You're never going to read about him in any record books. He didn't win the race. He didn't set any records. He didn't even medal. John, as, as the race started, John had an accident. He fell down. He cut his knee and tore up his knee. And he also hit his head on the pavement. And so any other runner could have quit. They would have said, well, I'm, I'm, there's no chance I'm going to win now. I'm too far behind. But John laid there for a few minutes. He got up. He bandaged his knee. He uh, wrapped some gauze around his leg. And then he started running again. And at times he would jog. At times he was limping. And at times he would walk. By the time he got to the stadium, the medals had been given away an hour earlier. The race had been long over. Uh, people were leaving the stadium. The race officials were packing up. And then this one guy, John Stephen Aquari, appears in the doorway. This is what happened. A little over an hour after Mama Walde crosses the finish line, John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania approaches the stadium, the last man to complete the journey. A voice calls from within to go on, and so he goes on. Afterwards, it was written, Today we have seen a young African runner who symbolizes the finest in the human spirit. A performance that gives true dignity to sport. A performance that lifts sport out of the category of grown men playing at games. A performance that gives meaning to the word courage. All honor to John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania. Perhaps the words of John Stephen Aquari epitomize all that is right in the human spirit. When asked why he did not quit, he said simply, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Isn't that beautiful? My country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start this race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. He didn't finish the race for the medal. He didn't finish it for the officials. He finished it so that he could look himself in the mirror and say, I'm not a quitter. And he did it so all these people who were depending on him and cheering on him, he wouldn't let them down. You and I are in a much more important race. The Bible says that at the end of our lives, we're going to give an account for everything we did and didn't do. And you don't have to come in first. You don't have to place. You just have to finish. So let's make this our, our determination and our decision today. I will finish. I'm going to stay with this till the very end, the very end of my life, on my deathbed. My prayer is that every person here, every person joining us online, when you're near the end of a lot, your life, you'll be able to say, to tell us, I, God, I did everything you asked me to do. I finished the race. And maybe your finishing of the race is salvation. Maybe you've got to commit your life to Christ. Maybe you've never done that before. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer that just says, God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Make me new. I make you Lord of my life. And we're going to pray that prayer. And the Bible says when you do that, Jesus says, Jesus has already paid the price for your sins. When you accept that gift, heaven is your new eternity. You're, you're, 
place in heaven. And now you're on this new starting line that says, I've got some work to do. Let's pray. If you'd like to pray that with me, I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to repeat this prayer out loud so nobody feels embarrassed or, or singled out. If you'd like to pray, just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me for everything I've, every evil thing I've ever done. Every evil thing I've ever said. And every person I've ever hurt. Today I make you Lord of my life. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Now help me to finish this race. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, I pray for every person here, every person joining us online. I pray, God, that you would give us, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that we would be able to say at the end of our lives to tell us, hey, I, I have done everything the Father sent me to do. God, give us the wisdom and give us the boldness to finish this race and finish it well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 That was good. Unfinished business. Amen. If you said that prayer today, I want to say congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. We're just happy that you got in the boat. But also, if you said that prayer, we want to also ask if you would take out your phone, scan that QR code that is up on the screen, and just go to New Believer. We just want to send you a gift in the mail just to help you on that salvation journey. Also, if this is your first time here with us, we are so excited that you decided to join us today. We just want to know that you joined us today. So if you would also take out your phone, scan that QR code, and just click on First Time Visitor. We're just going to send you a little gift in the mail and just give you a little bit of information about who we are and how you can get involved. And so with that, a quick reminder, we have the Easter invites. You should have received one when you entered. If not, you can also get some more at the info table. Easter is a great time to invite your friends and family to come to church. It's the best excuse. Also, we have Easter sign up in the foyer area. We need a lot of help for that day. We have an extra service. So if you're not already helping on that day, please sign up. Uh, we can get, use all the help we can get. Uh, we need help with the parking team, information, kids. So please do that. And then also on April 7th at 7 p.m., we have a Good Friday service. I don't know, some of you came last year to our Good Friday service. It was a good time, it was a blessing, and so I encourage you to come out that day. And so with that, we're going to uh, just continue with our worship with our giving. If you wanna give today, uh, there are four ways you can give. They are not up on the screen, but they will be. So, uh, you can give a little black box in the foyer. You could give online at greenlymosaic.com, text any amount to 84321, and you are able to give on the Church Center app. Um, as you know, Mosaic is a generous church. We love to give, and we love to give because this is the way that we are able to invest in our community and tell others about Christ. And so I just encourage you just to be faithful in your giving. Let's just pray over this morning's tithe and offering. Dear God, I just thank you. I thank you for every person that is in this place. I thank you, God, that you've encouraged us, Lord God, just to to encounter that unfinished business. Lord God, if that be in our finances, I pray, Lord God, that you would give us the faith to give, Father. The faith to tithe, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord God, a blessing upon your people. Lord God, bless this offering, multiply it, 
make it useful for your kingdom, Lord Jesus. And I just pray for your people, Lord God, as they go out from this place today. I pray a blessing upon them. I pray that you would go with them, Lord God. And I pray that you would use this message, Lord God, just to encourage us to do your will. In your name we pray. Amen. We love you, Mosaic. You have a great day. If you are in need of prayer, we are going to have some individuals up here at the front. And they are going to be praying for people. So if you need extra prayer, prayer please come up.